This is Freelance Feels, a podcast for anyone who is self-employed, freelance or thinking about it. My name's Jenny Stallard, I'm a freelance lifestyle journalist and I founded Freelance Feels in 2019 as a response to my own mental health challenges. The idea behind Freelance Feels is to show freelance life in all its reality, from the down moments to the yay ones, and share other people's stories as well so we all feel less alone in the self-employed world. Each episode I speak to a different freelancer, self-employed person or entrepreneur about their work and mental health, exploring their story, their challenges and triumphs, as well as getting valuable advice from them. Freelance Feels is also a newsletter, freelancefeels.substack.com and on social media at freelance underscore feels. Please do come and find me on Instagram and let me know how you're getting on with your freelance journey. If you enjoy the podcast, please do rate and review it. And now, on with the episode. Freelance Feels, the podcast for humans who work for themselves. Today I am chatting to Fiona Thomas. Hi Fiona, welcome. Welcome to Freelance Feels. Hi, thanks for having me. My pleasure. Would you like to start by telling everybody what your freelance is? Yeah, so I am an author and a freelance writer, but like most freelancers, like that covers a lot of bases, I think. (laughs) So I also have a podcast um, and I run online courses and webinars as well for for kind of new writers as well. Uh, But my passion really is writing books and I've written two books now. So, yeah. Oh, welcome. And I'd love you to tell everybody your journey. And I know journey is one of those words, but I can never think of another one. (laughs) Your journey to becoming freelance, because I know for you that it's quite an interesting an interesting tale and something that people can really learn and perhaps be inspired by. So how did you come to do what you're doing? I know a lot of people who were writers, freelance, well, they were on magazines and that was that. They just decided to leave one day and do their own thing. What, what brought you to being doing all the things you just described? Yeah, it was kind of accidental. And when I talked to, I spoke to a lot of freelancers when I, when I was researching my book out of office and the thing that came up with a lot of freelancers was yeah we didn't think this is what we would be doing we just it just kind of happened circumstances kind of led to this and a lot of women actually feeling like it was the only way that they could get a flexible lifestyle to be a parent or it was the only way that they could earn more money was to actually go out and do it by themselves so for me it was definitely accidental in the way that my mental health became a concern and an an ongoing concern and I wasn't really able to manage my mental health in a traditional work environment a because traditional work environments just aren't necessarily set up for people to come in at different times and and take more time off than everyone else and b because I was in an industry and a job that I just didn't enjoy and it was actually making my mental health worse because not not through the employer or anything like that just because I was working in hospitality so from when I graduated to the age of 30 basically so like a decade I worked in hospitality in coffee shops and um, tourist attractions working as a, a manager making coffee and doing rotas and managing budgets and stuff like that and it's just such a customer facing environment that for me as an introvert and someone with depression and anxiety just felt totally uh, triggering like like maybe sometimes it would make me feel better to go in and pretend to be happy for eight hours but nine times out of ten it was very exhausting and I just found it really stressful like all the 
multitasking and like dealing with fires when they not literal fires but like (laughs) (laughs) metaphorical fires when they cropped up and people management oh my god people management is not my not my my strong point so so I had a mental breakdown when I was 26 so like at the kind of peak and inverted commas of my career and like the the, you know the best job I'd ever been in most stable job the most money and I had a mental breakdown and I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety so I was off work for a year just kind of recovering from that and figuring out what my next steps were and at that point I didn't think I'll go and be a freelance writer because I'd always loved writing but I just didn't have the confidence to do it didn't have any experience didn't you know I thought I'd have to go and retrain or I'd have to go and do like an internship somewhere um so I just started blogging for fun and um, just started a blog and between then and the age of 30 so like for like four years I just worked as a regular waitress I didn't go back into management because mm-hmm. it was all I could do so that was the kind of compromise of like I still have to work in hospitality because I need to work to pay the bills but I can't I can't take on the stress of a management job so I waitressed for ages and blogged on the side and never really thought like my dream was I'll be paid to be a blogger because mm. those were the days when like Zoe Sugg was like the blogger to be and and everyone was making loads of money from blogging so my thoughts were maybe I could get be a popular blogger and make money from like sponsorship um but the way it worked out is that I actually got my first byline in the metro just by being well by being well known as a mental health blogger I managed to get a, a byline in the metro and the penny just dropped for me then that like oh I could write for magazines and be paid I don't I don't need to go and retrain or do a course because I've been paid to do it now so I must be good enough <laughs> so um so everything kind of changed from that moment onwards and I started um, pitching to lots of different publications and then I got my book deal at that point and I also took on some other freelance clients like writing blogs for small businesses and managing social media like the typical freelancer life of just like trying everything and see what works um and I managed to make enough money to leave my job so um yeah in 2018 I went fully freelance and I've been doing it ever since so it's been really good to have that flexibility to take mental health days and Mm. have um more flexible working hours because I'm not a morning person so definitely like like a 10 a.m start (laughs) That's one of the main reasons I chose journalism because all my friends from uni went into teaching and I was like, my God, you have to get up at like 6am. I'm going to be a journalist because all the magazines were 10 till 6. I was like, this is, and everyone thinks you're lazy. And you're like, yeah, but we stay till 6pm at least. Like mm-hmm. it's back in the day. It's not like we do 10 till 4. You know? <laughs> exactly. You mentioned book one there. T- tell us a bit about book one because it ties in with obviously everything you were writing depression in a digital age is yeah so it's a so um at that point I had been blogging about mental health for a few years and became quite a prolific blogger like you know it felt very like that's probably the most the most I've ever written at that point was I just really got into writing about my own mental health and I was writing every single day publishing blog posts every day at one point um and 
I saw that my publisher were accepting, well, obviously not my publisher at that time, but this publisher were accepting um, submissions for mental health memoirs. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, like, I wonder, I've written all this content, like, it all exists here. Like, I wonder if it, if it could become a book. I wonder if I could make it into a book. And then I read two memoirs, which really stuck with me. I read them both on holiday. I read Control-Alt-Delete by Emma Gannon, which is about growing up online. So it was like a millennial memoir. And then I also read Mad Girl by Bryony Gordon, which is like a really kind of, not lighthearted, but like entertaining look at someone's mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, like on a Venn diagram, like those two books were beside each other. My book was somewhere in the middle because I thought it would combine mental health and um, social media. Mm-hmm. So so that's the book that I pitched to the publisher and they were interested. So asked me to write a proposal and I was like, yeah, sure. As if I knew how to write a proposal. <laughs> Googled how to write a book proposal. Um, and all the, all the websites were like, a book proposal takes between three and six months and they'd asked for it in a fortnight I was like yeah that's fine <laughs> so like managed to throw something together and sent it over and then they asked for sample chapters so I kind of I wrote up I wrote up some sample chapters and yeah I think it was it all, it all got accepted and all went through and I think it's because I was writing about social media at a time where everybody had all these questions about social media and mental health and nobody seemed to be offering up an answer or or the the, the few statistics that there were seemed to be social media is ruining our children and, and my experience was just more nuanced than that it wasn't the complete opposite but I have had gained a lot of confidence from social media and I've found it a really safe place for me to express how I feel and what I'm going through because as an introvert I really struggle not so much now but definitely at that time really struggled to have a conversation about my mental health I couldn't say out loud I have depression I have anxiety um, I couldn't just couldn't articulate how I felt and what I was going through but when I wrote it down it felt much safer um, and that translated from blog posts then into like dms and instagram captions and then eventually actually doing instagram stories and things like that so for me it was kind of like finding a new identity like who am i with this mental illness and who who am i and what am i how much am i going to share with people and how much am i going to let it be who i am but in a positive way and, and for me, social media was really, really helpful for that because it just connected me with people that in a way that I couldn't couldn't quite yet do in real life. And now I feel like I've blended the two. So so the book was like just a, a story of me living without the internet because I was born in 86. So living without the internet until I was a teenager and then the role that the internet played in my life as a young adult and then the, the role it played in my recovery and the, the title is depression in a digital age the highs and lows of perfectionism so it definitely shares the highs and the lows mm-hmm. but I just wanted to give um, a voice to the people that have really felt the positive effects of social media as well as the negative effects because I think there's that's still a valid discussion to have I love that because I do think and I said this as well like you've just said it's, it gets a really bad rap and I know that there's a lot of negatives and there's all the things that that come with it you know over comparison and extreme cases there's really serious 
problems that it can cause, triggering and that kind of thing. But at the same time, yeah, especially during the pandemic, I found huge sense of community and support. I posted something, we're chatting around lunchtime and I posted something in the morning of the day we're chatting because I needed some advice for something. And three people have come back and one person's emailed me um, a template of the thing I was worrying, wondering about. And it's like, wow, well, I'm stuck at home, but this person who lives miles away has shared all thanks to posting on a Facebook group. So it, it can, like you say, you know, very much be like that. And the fact that it's helped you, would you say that, would you say that social media has been part of finding who you are as a freelancer as well? Like it sort of helped you on all the different levels in that way that it sort of helped you carve out what you do as well as helped you find balance with your mental health? Yeah, very much so. Because I think I run a business that is a hundred percent online. So like, does it, does it exist in the physical world? Like, (laughs) because it's all online. So, you know, what I put on my website and what I talk about on Instagram and on social media and on my podcast, like that all adds up to me attracting the right clients and building that community. So without, I mean, without the internet, I don't, I wouldn't have a business. So yeah, it's a huge part of me showing up and letting people know who I am but also like you were saying actually engaging with people like I think that's the thing that we often forget about is that we go on and this is maybe where the the problems stem from is that we go on social media and we scroll and we consume but we don't actually reach out to people and engage and I think that's where the magic happens yeah that's so true would you have any any advice for people who are perhaps trapped in that space where they are only scrolling but they're like I didn't comment oh, what if people judge me? Or, well, I couldn't possibly reply to that person's story with a comment because, well, they're famous even, or there's someone I really admire and I feel like it, I feel silly reaching out. How can people maybe perhaps try and bridge that gap between the scroll and the interacting? Mm, I would say just challenge yourself to say something nice to someone. Like nobody's ever going to, even if someone doesn't reply to you, mm telling someone that you like their hair or that's a nice jumper or that that post really helped you that's such an such a generous act that will help that person so even if it's nothing to do with you it's purely just to give that other person a boost Mm -hmm. Um, of course not everyone can reply to every single dm and actually that's that's them taking care of their mental health as well if they don't reply um, but don't you know if they see it just know that you know you're putting a little bit of good energy out into the world um, and I think that it will come back to you that's lovely where do you stand on you this isn't a question I was saying questions in advance and I did send you some questions but you now make me want to ask you something else <clears throat> where do you stand on muting and unfollowing Especially oh I'm I'm a big muter I mute a lot of people and you know what the people that I mute if it's someone I don't know and I, I'm just sick of sick of their nonsense, I'll unfollow them. But when it's sometimes I'll find I mute people that I know, and it's because and I've said this on loads of podcasts, it's people either in my industry or just in my circle, community circle, who are doing really, really well at something that they're doing. And I have to mute them because I feel those feelings of comparison coming up and I start to think. I'm really happy for them but that also makes me feel bad about myself and I don't I love that person and I like them and I don't want to associate those feelings with that person so it's actually better for me if I just mute them Mm -hmm. in the same way that like you know 
back in the day like you wouldn't see what your best pal was up to every single day on social media you would wait till you spoke to them and then you would get the full story from them and you would speak to them so so yeah I'm like quite a big fan of muting people um and it is always normally really lovely successful people purely down to how it triggers me to feel bad about myself I'm so glad you said that because I've done that with a few people in the last couple of weeks and yeah you feel terrible because you think but I love them there's someone you might never have met them they might be an, an online contact that's become friendly sort of thing but yeah you're right it's like seeing them doing all the stuff can sometimes stop you doing your stuff because you're so busy watching them doing their thing that you mm -hmm. actually don't get through your own to-do list because you're too busy going, what are they doing now? Will they pop up again? And do you find that happens as well with when people try and emulate what other people are doing? And I'm thinking maybe like of reels at the moment. Reels seems to be like the thing everyone's trying on Instagram and, mm. and I watch other people doing it. And I think I've tried it. It just doesn't feel like my thing. But then I see someone doing reels, especially someone I might know or someone in my industry. And I'm like, maybe I should be doing reels. Like you suddenly think, oh, I should be doing more, 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 don't you? Yeah, and this is a, as a, a freelancer. There's like your to-do list is never ending, and the the um, the things that you could do or you feel like you should do, like that that list is exponential. So, same as you, yeah, I follow a lot of people who. Um, give lots of great advice on digital marketing so it could be like reels it could be email marketing it could be starting a membership site it could be uh, hosting virtual events like all these different things that you could do and people are so good at marketing themselves now that you you get hooked in and you're like I do need to learn how to do that <laughs> um, and sometimes you do but like nine times out of ten it's like maybe you do but not right now like right now you've got a day of work to get through um, so I find, yeah, like I get distracted quite a lot with like shit. It's like shiny object syndrome, isn't it? It's like, oh, they, they got to 10K on Instagram. I want to get on 10K on Instagram. But then you have to remind yourself, okay, that is maybe a focus, but not right now. Mm. Um, so I find it really helpful to have like um, my intentions. This is something I've just started this year. I've got my yearly intentions up on the wall and it's really simple, really simple intentions. So I've got, um first one is to for my income to be easy easy income because i get distracted with ideas for new courses and new webinars and i'm like no no remind yourself you we've got i've created courses i just need to keep selling the ones i've created so easy income is one um, the other one is creative space so leaving myself creative space on my calendar to write so again that's not filling up when i see someone's hosting a webinar about seo i remind myself I don't need to fill my calendar with all that kind of stuff. Leave that space for creativity. And the third intention is to become a more established writer. So that's really helpful for me when I start going down a rabbit hole of like a six week email marketing course. It's like, is that going to help you become an established writer? So it's kind of like a little filter that I run, I run all my decisions through. <laughs> and having it on the wall really helps as well, because if you put it in a notepad, it can disappear. But if you've got it right there, then you're going to look at that every time something comes up hold on what are my intentions no it doesn't match with those right then exactly it's just and it's not necessarily goals it's just intentions it's just reminding you like to focus on like what is it that you actually want to achieve this year what what where are you going to put your energy energy uh, yeah i find that really helpful 
Oh, I love that. I always get anyone who listens regularly, and hello if you do, because thanks. I always get the tingles at some point in an episode when I'm doing an interview. Mm. They've just come. I'm like, oh, and I like that you use the word intentions, not goals, because not everybody likes the word goal. For some people, the word goal is like, eh, it's a real Marmite word, isn't it? Yeah, and I'm really like, really anti-planning and I'm really anti-routine um, just because of my mental illness like my like depression and anxiety don't care if you've got a plan for the week <laughs> they don't care what your what your goal set your goal is for the month or the year um so I have to be really careful with that because if I don't meet specific goals because I've had to take a mental health day or my you know my energy is just not there uh, then I can start to spiral because I feel really bad you know I wrote that and felt tip pen now it's permanent and I haven't done it like what am I going to do so definitely like definitely intentions feels more flexible and that's why I need flexibility because yeah. you've mentioned about this on you, you you talk quite openly on social media if people follow you on Instagram they'll they'll know that you share it quite openly and something that really interested me that I wanted to ask you about was the fact that you've talked before about sort of changing your hours to work around making things work more better for your mental health and that kind of thing. I wonder if you wanted to sort of tell people a little bit about what you do to find balance with, with working hours. And you talked about mental health days before as well. Could you sort of tell us a little bit about your time management in that way for your own mental health? Yeah, so when I first started freelancing, I like tried really hard to get up and start my day at like half eight nine o'clock I was kept reading like obsessively reading people's morning routines and like how can I get up earlier because I know I'll get more out of the day if I start if I'm at my desk at like seven o'clock in the morning um and I managed to do it like once or twice but I found that like I would get work done in the morning but then I would crash at like one or two o'clock in the afternoon so it's like I'm still doing the same amount of work. Why, why am I forcing myself to try and get up at the crack of dawn just because it's what everyone else seems to do? And especially writers. They, so many writers are like, you've got to write before the sun comes up. Mm -hmm. um, and I am just, I'm not a morning person. And I really, when I say I need my sleep, like at the weekends, I'll sleep till 11 o'clock both days and I don't feel worse for it <laughs> that's what I need um I just really really love my sleep yeah I'm the same so so I kind of went through that process of like struggling to get up and struggling like fighting against my natural rhythm basically mm. um and I went into a Facebook group I'm wondering if it was your Facebook group and I said like does anybody got any advice for getting up early um any like hacks and like everybody was like stop trying to get up early <laughs> you're freelance like why don't you just start work at midday like this is the whole point and I was like I was like oh like you're so right like this this I just need to lean into my natural rhythm so so I'm very much especially in the last year I've kind of just given myself permission to not be at my desk nine to five and to do the work in which however much time it takes that day uh, and to be kind of reward myself that you know here's the thing you need to do today once you get it done you can clock off so mm -hmm. I try not to not to say oh I finished early what else can I do like I try and actually just clock off mm -hmm. um, and I think I think a lot of that relates back to having the financial stability to do that and that's something I talk a lot about in out of office is mm. 
setting your rate so that you can do that. And I, I know a lot of freelancers really struggle with um, increasing their rates or even just setting them in, in the beginning. But I believe really passionately that your money and the money you make is so intrinsically linked to your mental health and your ability to manage your mental health that once you kind of, once you understand that, it feels much easier to set your rates and to stay strong on them and not undervalue yourself and not um, give discounts to people if it doesn't feel right because once you earn enough money like that baseline income you can sleep in you can take days off you can afford therapy you can afford like a personal trainer whatever these little things are that you need and they're personal to everyone could be like nice pajamas or you know a magazine subscription like all these little things once you've got your income sorted then those things are so much easier to to have time for oh i completely agree you've really summed it up and when we talk about income we're not talking about i don't know if it floats people's boats to want to be a six figure a month person that you hear about on places like linkedin like i would say well knock yourselves out but for me income is like paying the bills and a bit left over type amounts you know it's not like i mm-hmm. want to earn I go on holiday to the Bahamas money. It's, it's more paying the bills and buying the odd, you know, bit of new clothing perhaps, isn't it? It depends what income means to people, I suppose, doesn't it? Is that sort of what we get? Yeah. 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 And to me, in- income is a tool to manage my mental health. Mm. Um, and a lot of that is just time, time to do the things that I know I need to do. So time to do yoga, time to go a walk, time to see family and friends when we're allowed to do that again um so yeah it's not and for me to get that time I just need like you say I need to pay my bills I need to have enough money to invest to grow the business like moving forward so and yeah I am not I I write that in the book as well like this isn't a book that's going to help you make a lot of money or make a quick buck um it's more about building a sustainable business because you could make there are plenty of books or coaches that will help you make a lot of money but is that a sustainable business like because you we all know like once you've got a lot of money your problems don't go away (laughs) yeah Yeah, well I mean look everybody lockdown is one of the things that made us all realize that because from the very richest, the very, and okay, I backtrack on that slightly because obviously I understand that medical care and things like food, yes, all, all of that aside, but in terms of everyone going into lockdown, it didn't matter if you're a millionaire or if you're, you know, really struggling, everyone went into the same mental situation, I guess, is, is what I'm saying. But um, you mentioned Out of Office there, and that's your second book, isn't it? When did, when did Out of Office come out? Tell everyone about Out of Office. So it was supposed to come out in August last year, but because of um, publication, uh, I guess like manufacturing issues, it came out in October. Um, so I finished it in like this time last year, I finished it up um, and yet it came out in October. Feels like it's been in my life for so long and been in the works for so long that I'm just so excited that it's finally out in the world and it's been really been really well received um so it's basically it's called out of office ditch the nine to five and be your own boss and it is a practical guide on how to get started as a freelancer but then also how to thrive as a freelancer and manage your mental health and how to grow and flourish as a freelancer so it's for anyone who um, is thinking about going freelance and just 
wants to answer all those questions that you're too embarrassed to ask, like how to raise an invoice and how to claim expenses and all that kind of stuff. And it's also for freelancers that have been doing it for a while as well and want to learn the more complicated stuff. So like, how do I sell myself without feeling horrible? And how do I um, deal with imposter syndrome and all that kind of stuff? Uh, it's right through to like raising your rates and taking time off. It's a big thing that I wanted to talk about in the book is mm. why time off is so important and not, not just for your mental health, but for your business. Like it's just such a, gives your business such a big injection of energy because you could take a week off and then have like three months after that of really improved energy and focus and a bit more perspective on your business. So. Why do you think we don't give ourselves time off as freelancers? Like we're the one people that we don't have to ask the boss for the day off, but I think we're the ones that probably take the least time off. Why do you think we're so rubbish? Mm. <laughs> I think one thing is that most of us really love our job. Like it's, you know, we, we didn't really get into lots of freelancers didn't get into this to make a million. We got into it because we just wanted to do something that we enjoy and we wanted freedom and flexibility and it's really exciting running your own business and there's always new things to try there's always new things to do there's always new people to talk to and new projects to work on so I really love running my business and when it comes to taking time off the week before it I'm just like I'm gonna hate this I'm gonna what am I gonna do there's gonna be nothing to do I'm gonna really miss working um and I think yeah there's, de there's that and then there's the guilt around it of oh if I'm not working then who's going to be answering the emails I'm not going to be earning any money so yeah there's a lot of complicated emotions and it comes back to the traditional work environment that we've been trained that we've got to be at our desk to be a hard worker and we've got to show up and be seen to be busy but actually not as you know as a creative person like a lot of the work doesn't happen at a desk. It happens when your brain's thinking about other things. So when you're off, you probably come up with your best ideas. I'm like you as well, often on the yoga mat. And I'm trying to get back into it. I did a load in lockdown one and we're chatting February, 2021 for anyone that wants to sort of benchmark where we're at in terms of the years and everything. And then, um, but yeah, often I'll be laying on the yoga mat and be like, oh, yes that's what I need to do for that thing and then you have to battle with yourself think what well, do I get up off the yoga mat and write the thing down <laughs> or do I trust that I'm going to remember the thing that I just thought of on the mat and sometimes I'll think well, if it's meant to be it will I will remember at the end of the session yoga is great for that you, you share your yoga a lot sometimes you'll do a, a video of you doing yoga won't you and I really love that you do that it often makes me think come on Jenny have a stretch Fiona's having a stretch it's, yeah it's hard isn't it because I know like a lot of people, especially like last year, I was really doing my exercise like really religiously every morning at home and I would share a video of it. And lots of people liked it, but I know lots of people find it triggering as well because they couldn't maybe find the energy to do exercise. So um, I kind of share it because I'm chubby and I think it's my duty to let, to show chubby people exercising. <laughs> because we don't see it very much and I think I just want people to see that like you can be chubby and, and still be flexible and like enjoy exercise I love that I love the word chubby's really tickled me and actually it's such a it's not a lovely word like that it just seems like a, a really friendly word I love that 
that's really tickled me with that in mind I wondered if you wanted to finish up with a couple of tips for people perhaps who are because I know you obviously you write a lot about being online your book is advice has advice for people about it and I just wondered if you had any tips for people who are nervous of online networking and want to do more like you do so they want to try and get into videos or they want to try and try reels for example or stories would you have any advice to people about making the jump to perhaps recording their yoga session or doing an online kind of a, a video of them working like you sometimes do and that kind of thing mm. yeah I think for for the online networking aspect of things I would say just think about online networking as talking to people like talking to other humans mm. don't don't think of it as a way to shove your product or your service down someone else's throat because that comes further down the line and you'll find if you just talk to someone on a human level they naturally will be curious and want to know what you do so don't be like you know if someone says like oh I'm looking for someone to help me with this um if you go straight in and be like these are my rates blah 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 blah. whereas if you just offer them some nice tips it'll probably go down better so kind of think about it like I've been to real life networking events where literally people just come up to you and hand you their card or they like open a portfolio and start showing you your stuff it's like oh like at least tell me your name like say hello first so think about it in that aspect like if you were in the room with these people like what would you do you'd probably say like where have you come from tonight have you been here before like just talk to people like humans and then because I don't know about you like I hire a lot of people or work with people or buy their stuff not really based on the product but just based on the fact that I like them Mm. yeah Um, because I just I'm like I just want to support them and I know that I'll enjoy their course even if it's something that I'm not that interested in like SEO I know that they'll teach it to me in a way that I like because I just like that person so just being a real human online I think is a good rule to live by um and with the the video stuff I'd say don't worry about showing your face for for starters um I show my face a lot and I know a lot of people say that you kind of have to do that to well don't have to but it's really good to do it to show the person behind the brand and I do think there's value in that but if you're just starting out then the old time lapse on an iPhone is is such a good um a good wee thing to put up because you can just if you don't know what time lapse is it's just show like film yourself doing something for a longer period of time like a few minutes or 10 minutes and then it'll play back sped up um so I do that sometimes when I'm journaling I'll do it for my exercise routines if you're a photographer you could do it for you like setting up your workstation or if you're an artist like they're brilliant because you can so show like a piece of art coming together people love stuff like that because it's it's visual storytelling that you get from a to b like really quickly so i would say do something like that and just put some text over it you can do that i've done that on reels and i've done it on stories so don't don't be worried about showing your face and just show your hands at work or or film something that you're doing and then just put some you don't even need to speak over it just put some some text over it i think that's a really good way to start that's amazing advice thank you because that's that brings me to the last thing I wanted to ask is, as always, time has flown on my podcast chats, but that real balance between being online and keeping in check with your mental health is such a fine line, isn't it? And I really love that piece of advice just sums up in many ways the idea that, that you can be online, but you don't have to be in your face and in your own face online. There's a, there's a balance, isn't there, in terms of keeping yourself well, but also 
putting your brand out there. Yeah, and if you're short, if if, if you're not comfortable, then it, it will come across. So it's more important that you show up in a way that feels right to you. So if that is, and and like like you're saying, like if you're not into reels, don't do reels. Like it's fine. Mm-hmm. If you show up better in stories or in captions then don't put your energy somewhere that you know like your heart's not really in it you yeah. know just pick one thing that you know you're good at and you feel you can do consistently um, and slowly like your personality will come through that way that's lovely oh fiona thank you so much thanks it's, for having me it's been lovely before we started recording i was sort of saying to fiona look i felt like i knew you because i see so much of you on instagram because i follow you and i really enjoy what you put out there and it's just a real delight to be able to actually chat in person and yeah and, same and, here yes it's funny so I hope other people are doing this like you said online if you yeah just say hello to people and you never know you might end up persuading them to be a podcast guest for you exactly <laughs> would you like to tell everybody where they can find you sort of social and obviously the books tell us the names of the books again and you run courses and master classes tell us everything that people can get from you Okay, so you can find everything on my website, which is Fiona Likes to Blog. I made that, obviously, when I was like into blogging and I've just <laughs> kept it. Um, my books, Depression in a Digital Age and Out of Office, are both out now. You can get them everywhere. You can get them on Kindle and paperback and all the usual places. My Instagram is Fiona Likes to Blog. You can also listen to my podcast, which is Out of Office podcast. That's more freelance chat. Um and yeah I think that's it well I wish you all the best with it and thank you so much for being so open and sharing everything with everybody for the podcast thank you so much thank you thank you for listening to freelance feels the podcast for humans who work for themselves I hope you've enjoyed this episode and if you have, you can rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and follow for future episodes. You can find more about Freelance Feels at freelancefeels.com and more of my work at jennystallard.com. Freelance Feels also has a monthly newsletter which you can sign up to at freelancefeels.substack.com and for daily updates, follow on Instagram and Twitter at freelance underscore feels.